John chapter 1. I changed my passage so you have to do your own homework, Jim. Uh, That's just a joke between me and him. Don't worry about it. John chapter 1. Let's stand together as we read God's word this morning. I'm going to start in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, They follow Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Um, Preaching is fun. And uh, the process from Sunday to Sunday to is sometimes not as fun. That's all right. You know, um, following Christ is an amazing thing. And when we follow Christ, we, we get to have a front row seat. I have to try to talk quieter. Uh, we have a front row seat to what God is doing in the world. Uh, and sometimes we see these things in, in like big and extraordinary ways. Uh, you know, we, we look through, like, the, the history of, of the world, history of the church, and we read about, like, big revivals, like the Great Awakening, um, the Great Awakening too. you know, the Second Great Awakening. Uh, and we, we read about these things, and, and we get to see how amazing it is that God has been doing these things. And sometimes it's, it's big ways um, on more, like, local level. Like, when I was growing up, I grew up in a free Methodist church in Prescott, Arizona, and I was really sad to see, I, I looked him up the other day, and now the building is being used by a different church. I don't know what happened to the church I grew up in. Um, but every year, or every other year or so, they would have an organization come in called Teen Challenge. I don't know if you've heard of them. It's a, a Christian drug rehabilitation program. And, and so all these guys would come in, and they would have a, a choir. Like, <laughs> the most beautiful thing, like, like these... These guys who've probably never been in a choir before, you know, and they form this choir and they sing beautifully and they share their testimonies about how God has rescued them from a life of drug abuse and it's just a, a wonderful and big emotional sort of service. And it's just like, you know, we look at that and we're like, this is just extraordinary. We're, we're on the first row seat of seeing God at work in the world. And sometimes, though it's not like big obvious things, it, it kind of comes um, in unexpected ways. I was talking to Carl a couple, you know, week ago, week and a half, I don't know. 
And he was telling me about the, the ministry he does at the nursing home. And he, uh, I'm sorry, Carl, I didn't ask to share this story. I'm just going to do it anyway because it's beautiful. And, and Carl goes out there um, every Sunday and, and he has a, a church service. But he said one, one week he went and he visited a lady, you know, inviting her to come. And, and he said everything about this meeting went wrong. Like I said, all the wrong things, everything was just, it just went terrible. And I left there feeling like a failure and discouraged. But then the next Sunday, guess who shows up? This woman shows up. He's like, and he, and he said, you know, I hear all the time how God can take nothing and, and make something of it. And it was just so cool to see that God did that with me. so nice to be on the, the front road to, to follow Christ and see God's activity in the world in, in sometimes big ways and sometimes unexpected ways and sometimes ordinary ways. I think often of this man named Bill Mon. You guys never met him because he was in Arizona. But he was in this church that I went to and, and very often he would take my dad out to breakfast and every now and again they would invite me along. But breakfast with Bill probably one of the greatest sources of spiritual growth for my dad. And I think, actually, I think a lot of Fred. I don't know about you, like, if my, one of my favorite things about coming to church is being greeted by Fred. Like, the big smile and the hug, like, we, we just had church. We could just turn around and go home after that. So we see God move in big ways and unexpected ways and ordinary ways and sometimes like super like meaningful and sentimental sort of things like like back in Oregon, Caleb, super young, he, he comes home from a VBS program one night and he says, Dad, tonight I asked Jesus into my heart. And, and like the very first thing that I got to do as a district licensed minister in the Church of the Nazarene was to baptize two of my boys. Like that same weekend, I, they were like, here's your license. Like the next Sunday, which is like a day after, baptizing two of my boys. And then fast forward a few years, I'm, I'm ordained. And then just a couple months after that, I'm baptizing my third boy. And so we, we get to be in the, the front row seat of Christ at work in the world. We get glimpses of God at work in the world. And it's in those moments in our life that we can join our voices with John the Baptist and say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, I became aware of this painting this week. Um, it was painted in the 17th century, apparently, from some Italian guy. Uh, it's called the pointer. It looks like this. We got a picture. There it is. Uh, isn't that great? And, and I like it not just because, you know, it's a pretty picture. You know, I, I guess it's nice. I don't know anything about art. But I, I like it because th this artist was able to boil down John's life into that. The pointer, that's the name of the picture, the pointer. The pointer. John the Baptist's whole purpose in life was to point to Jesus. That was it. Point to Jesus. Last week we started this series, Discovering God's Playbook for Our Lives. 
right? We're talking about God's purposes and plans for us. And so I'm going to just give it to you. Simple. In fact, it's so simple. We could just end the series here, you know. No, God's purpose, God's plan for our lives, just like John the Baptist, keep pointing to Jesus. Keep pointing to Jesus. Keep lifting up Jesus. Keep focused on him. Cling to him. Don't waver for a second. This is God's plan for your life. God's plan for you is that you will glorify Christ and enjoy him and love him continually. That's it. Simple. Uh, There's an old church document, which I know those three words sound super exciting to everyone. Old church document. But it's called the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is actually that much more exciting Right? Uh, if, if you don't know what a catechism is, it's a, it's a method of teaching that has been used by the church to, to teach things that we believe about God. And it's typically in a question and answer format. Um, and so they ask a question, they provide an answer, they ask another question that builds upon the previous information. And, and this is how, for lots of years, we've taught people about what the church has believed. Uh, apparently in this document, there's like 107 different questions. I, I don't know if I've read any of them except for the first one, because the first one's all that I remember. And the very first question in this document is, what is the primary purpose of humanity? What's humanity's primary purpose? And the answer they give is humanity's primary purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. I, I just, I, I love that. I, I, I learned that. I remembered that. I, I probably skimmed through the other questions. I, those, none of those stuck with me. But that stuck with me. Like our primary purpose in life, glorify God, enjoy him forever. So John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, right? But he didn't just kind of point to Jesus. He, he pointed to Jesus in such a way that it pointed others to Jesus. All right, that's what it says in verse 37. It says, and when he said this, when the two disciples heard him say this, and what he said was, look, the Lamb of God. When they heard him say this, they followed Jesus. See, our purpose in life is to be oriented towards Jesus and to be oriented toward Jesus in such a way that it orients others to Jesus. Uh, Or to say it another way, our purpose is to point to Jesus and to point to Jesus in such a way that it points others to Jesus. It's a simple concept, and and I don't know about you, but when I think about that, it, it feels like a lot of pressure. And for good reason, uh, the reason it feels like a lot of pressure is because it's such a, a big and an important task, but, but I think it's more than that. I think this is what happens. I, I think what happens is this. We, we point to Jesus, and then people go to Jesus, and then Jesus does what Jesus does, and incredible and amazing things happen. Lives are changed, and it's this beautiful thing. And then we do the most natural thing uh, there is, and we 
look at our finger and be like, oh my gosh, I have the most amazing pointer finger in the world. Isn't that pretty? Let's be careful not to move it or adjust it anyway because did you see what just happened? Let's package it up. Let's send it out to the world so everybody can have access to this finger. We lose focus and we think that the heavy lifting needs to be done by this guy, by our finger. And so we feel the pressure, all right? And we dress it up, make it look pretty, paint it blue, bedazzle it, hang thousand-year-old traditions to it, find out the newest thing that's going on and put that on it too. We, we, we do everything we can to make this thing look pretty, Now, I hope I didn't lose anybody in the analogy. If I did, I apologize. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. <laughs> but we do that, right? We, we put the workload on the wrong truck. That's what we call a mixed metaphor. We make things about the wrong thing, and the thing we typically make that about is ourself. Which reminds me of, of, of a Bible story. Actually, you know what, to be honest with you, it reminds me of every Bible story, right? But one in particular was bouncing around in my head a lot this week, and that's the story of King Solomon. You know who King Solomon is? He's a king, and his name is Solomon. He was David's son. Okay, he, he comes to power after David dies. And, and this story is, and you might have heard this before, but it's good to hear the same stories over and over again. The story is that when he first started out his rule as king, God comes to him in a dream. He says, Solomon, ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you. And so Solomon says, well... I would like to have three more wishes, please. No, that's, that's not what Solomon says. Solomon says, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just need your wisdom. God says, that's a really good answer, Solomon. Because you didn't ask for riches and wealth and fame and all these things, I'm going to give you that wisdom you asked for, but I'm also going to give you the riches and the fame and the wealth. And you keep reading about Solomon. And something happens in this story. See, he, he builds all the, you know, he gets all the, accumulates all the wealth and the riches. And he, he builds the temple. He builds his palace. And everything's great. And people travel from all around to see how great Solomon is. And it's terrible. Because I think somewhere along the line, Solomon kept, uh, stopped saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. And he said, you know what, God, I think I got this covered. Look at all these people coming to see me. I'm kind of, kind of a big deal. I don't know if he heard. 
And we read at the end of Solomon's life, it talks about how he, he you know, married all these women and he followed all these gods of all these other women. And it gives us a, a list of, of all these different gods he worshipped. And on that list, there's a god named Molech. And if you were to look up that god in your Bible dictionary at home or Google or whatever we do, one of the first things you'll read about Molech is child sacrifice. Solomon went from, God, I need you, to, I think I'm going to sacrifice some kids. You start out trusting, leaning, depending on God. At some point, it became all about himself. Terrible thing. And it's every human in the Bible, right? I mean, there might be a few exceptions where they, you know, there, there's one, one guy, maybe that, that's an exception. You're thinking he's going to say Jesus. No, there's, a, there's a, a story that Jesus tells us about two guys, okay? Um, one guy's a pastor, one guy's not. They both go out to pray. The pastor says, oh, God, thank you so much. I'm not a dirty, filthy sinner like that guy over there. The other guy says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, be like that guy. He says, that guy is justified before God. That guy is better off before God than that religious guy. See, he had it right. And I don't, maybe you've heard that story before, but did you hear what happened the next day? His buddy comes up to him and says, hey, hey, Ralph, guess what? Did you hear what Jesus said about you? Jesus said that you're better off than the pastor. So the next day, the guy goes out and says, God, thank you so much. I'm not like the pastor. Now, that's not in the Bible. I, but we can imagine that scenario, right? We can imagine that scenario. See, we, we feel the pressure because we think it's about us. And, and we lose the stance before God that says, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. See, see, Jesus is the one that carries the pressure for transforming and changing the world. We can't carry that load. We can't carry that load. We can point. We can point. We can lift our old, young, male, female, black, white, crooked, broken, shaky, scared, confident, whatever adjective finger, and we can point to Jesus. God's playbook for you, God's plan for us in 2023 and, and every year and every day is to point to Jesus. He keeps saying that a lot. Why does he keep saying that? I'm simple. I don't have three points. I've had one point and I've said it like 27 times. Okay? Sometimes even more simple, I have zero points. Anyway. Point to Jesus in such a way that it points others to Jesus. And the only way we can truly do that is with humble hearts. Not focused on ourselves, 
focused on him. So that's the question. That's what leads us to it. If God's purpose in our life is truly for us to just to, to point to Jesus and to, to orient our whole lives to, towards Jesus in such a way that others are directed towards Jesus. And the, the, the question that brings us to is, what does that look like in your life? In the Church of the Nazarene, if you are going through the process to become ordained in, in the church, there's something that they will ask you over and over and over and over again. Tell me about your call. Tell me about your call. Describe your call to me. Tell me about your call. Describe your call. Like it comes up in like every class, at every meeting, at every interview. They keep asking over and over again. It's like always right there. Tell me about your call. And, and the thinking behind that is that if, if we know and understand and can articulate and are sure uh, of the calling that God has placed in our life, then, then it will help us through difficult times in ministry. It will help guide our life to know when to say yes, when to say no, and, and just kind of give us some, some direction and, and confidence in what God has called us to. So they ask over and over and over again. But it's not just a question we should ask of people going into the ministry. It's not. We, we should ask this of Everybody, all believers, tell me about your call. Our purpose in life is to be oriented towards Jesus and to be oriented towards Jesus in such a way that it orients others to Jesus. We need to point to Jesus. And so what might that look like in your life? For me, it looks like this. But it's not just a professional minister thing. It's an everything, everybody thing. Uh, Peter uh, tells us, this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, speaking to the church, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a royal priesthood so that you may declare the praises. I'm feeling bouncy. So what does that look like in your life? And I, as I was thinking this, you know, I said, you know what, just be really cool. As if we're, as we're talking about this and thinking about it, if like, what if someone this morning started thinking, you know what, maybe God has called me into the ministry. Maybe God has called me to preach and, and called me to pastor. And, and if you have that thought, uh, I can almost guarantee, like, the very next thought is like, well, but I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm not smart enough, I don't like being in front of people, uh, I don't really want to do that. Uh, like, there, there's usually a second, like, ah, thought. Ignore the second one. Go with the first one, okay? But just as cool as that. Perhaps there's other thoughts and ideas popping in your head. Maybe it's a confirmation of things you've already been doing or ideas you've already had or, or something entirely new. And, and you're like, God, what, what is it you, you want me to do? And you're like, you know, I just need to devote my heart and life to prayer. You know, whatever it might be. Like, there's so many different options. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people in the room. My imagination is limited. And yet prayer, of course, that's something that all believers should do, but, but maybe for you it's a special calling and God has called you to pray and to pray and to pray. Do that. 
don't know, maybe it's baked goods. Like you make the world's best cookies and as soon as someone takes a bite of that cookie, they know that God exists, you know? But more than that, like you can use it as an opportunity to, to teach and to lead and to, uh, to witness and, and to show the love of Christ and be the presence of Christ. And, you know, whatever it might be, like there's so many different answers. Sometimes the, the problem or the difficulty is we, we, we have that thing, that idea, that, that thing that we want to do, we think we should be doing, and we're like, you know, it just doesn't sound very spiritual. It doesn't sound very, you know, it doesn't sound big enough or important enough. Like, that's the case. This is what, to stand tall and proud as humbly as possible and say, this is what God has called me to do. This is what pointing to Jesus with my life looks like. You know, John the Baptist, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Maybe it's like as simple as that. Like, you know, just imagine the scenario. Someone's telling you about their life. They're sharing some things with you, difficult times, or, you know, whatever it is, and it's just like a really hard time. And, and, and you notice that they say something and, or they allude to something, something that is brushed over, and, and you're able to notice it, and you point to that one little thing that they didn't pick up on, and you look at it and you say, hey, look, right there. Do you think maybe that was God? And we're able to... Bring a little bit of light, a little bit of hope, a little bit. We're able to, to help them see life through a different lens. I, has anybody ever done that for you? Help us see life more correctly? Anyway, so that's my challenge for you all this week. Give serious thought and consideration and prayer to that question. Like, think about it like for realsies. Like, think about it in such a way that you could, that, that, you know, just like the person going to the ministry, they're really thinking about it because they're going to be standing in front of a panel of people who are expecting an answer. Think about it like that. Sometimes the problem in churches is, besides guys like me who think they know what the problem in churches is, sometimes the problem in churches is we don't, ask that question. We ask the question of, you know, what, we ha what have we been doing the last 27 years that we can, you know, kind of twist someone's arm and get them to keep doing it? Like, that's, that's the question we ask. Or, you know, what's that new thing that they're doing over there that we can do, and how, who can we, you know, make do that? And we just sometimes forget to say, what does pointing to Jesus look like in your life? John the Baptist's whole purpose in life was to point people to Jesus. And that's what he said. This is, you know, verse 31 again. The reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. The whole reason, John says, the whole reason I do what I do is so that people would see Jesus. That's our challenge. And I do truly hope that we, we do that this week. In fact, what I would add to that is as you think about that, as you pray about that, as you process that, you know, what is, 
it look like in my life to be more oriented towards Jesus, to point to Jesus? What does that look like? As, as you're praying about that and seeking God about that, I would invite and encourage you to, to call or email or text one of the pastors and let us know what you've discovered. I know some of you are thinking, don't do it, it's a trap. They're just trying to get you to do something you don't want to do. I promise you it's not that. Like, there is no sign-up sheet in the lobby today. Okay? I don't know if we're looking for nursery workers. Like, I don't, I don't know. And, and the only way... <laughs> The only reason I can say it's not that sort of sermon, and, and don't, tell, don't tell anybody else, but I hate those kind of sermons. They become more about the, the institution and the inner workings of the church and less about helping people discover Christ in their life, you know? And not that, you know, filling positions and all those things are bad things. They're not. Like, there's, sometimes there's jobs that need to be done, Right? All right. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 27 minutes or for 230 years. Your purpose in life is to orient your life towards Christ, to point to Jesus, and to point to Jesus in such a way it points others to Jesus. And so, what does that look like in your life? What do you need to do to be more oriented towards Christ this year? We're going to close in a, in a prayer. Um, it's going to be on the screen. It, it's a prayer written by John Wesley. It's, that might name may mean something or nothing to you, but that's just the guy who wrote this prayer. Uh, and there's no pressure, and I'm not saying we're all going to pray this together. What I'm, what I'm just going to say is, if, if that's your desire to say, God, show me and lead me, and this year is your year, and just help me to orient my life towards you and you alone, like if, if that's your heart, then I would invite you to pray the prayer with me. And so what we're going to do first, just so you know what you're getting yourself into, like we'll, we'll read through it once, one time, okay? And after we read through it, I'll, I'll pray, and we'll pray the prayer together. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen. This is what the prayer says. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to do what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be put to the work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, a wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Lord God, I just thank you so much for who you are. God, I know there's a lot of distractions in life. Everything is a distraction and can be a distraction. And, and it's just... But God, I, I believe that 
our heart's desire is for you and for you alone. And so as we push into this year, seeking your plan and seeking your purposes for our lives, Lord, may we not forget to ask you. May we not forget to trust you. May we not forget to look upon you and you alone. God, forgive us for those times when we become self-sufficient and self-centered and and we think that we're something that we're not. Lord, forgive us. And help us just to point to you. Pray this, Lord, in your name. And so if you'd like to pray this prayer with me, I invite you. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to do what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, a wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's stand together. The altars, as always, are, all, are, are open if you'd like to come down and just do some business with God. Or you would like to talk to Pastor Nancy or, or Pastor TJ after the service, please don't uh, let this opportunity slip, slip away. But uh, sing this with us.
Gracious Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy, O oh God, of all of our praise. You are worthy of our all given over to you. We surrender our very lives to you, afresh in you this day. Lord, help our lives to point clearly to the one we call Jesus, the one we call Lord, the one we call Savior, Helper, Master, Redeemer. May our lives reflect you, O oh God, in such a way that no one can miss the goodness of God in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Go before us in this week. I pray for your safety, your hand of protection upon us, and your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have a great week, everyone. God bless. All my life you have.